0: The Bengals' Super Bowl chances rest on his right foot. The kick is up. Yeah. It yeah. is good!
1: Coffin nails! This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The
0: Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills.
2: Today is Groundhog Day, isn't it? I thought I saw some tweets about this. Is it Groundhog Day today? Groundhog Day, February 2nd. Okay, it is. I was thinking earlier today about how dumb I used to be when I was a little kid. I actually thought that uh, a stupid rodent was making my life more miserable. Growing up in Wisconsin, you know, when I'm little and gullible and actually think Groundhog Day is a real thing, you're living and dying with that thing, Shadow. Because I want to go outside and play. I want to dribble dribble the basketball in the driveway. I want to, I'm want i looking forward to spring, right? I remember being little, just being so torn up. If that stupid groundhog saw its shadow because that meant six more weeks of winter. And now looking back, of course, that had nothing to do with it. How young and dumb, naive. Reminds me of how I felt two years ago or last year when I was looking for any reason to explain why the Packers were losing in the playoffs, except for the reason that's been there staring me in the face all along. Um, I just I just don't think it's going to happen with Aaron Rodgers. Um, and I, I found a weird parallel today between Groundhog Day and the Packers, of all things. I was like, oh, God. Oh, God. Remember how young and naive and stupid I used to be? Yep. Uh, both with Groundhog Day and Aaron Rodgers. I forgot Groundhog Day was today. I, I needed some clever way to open the show. There you go. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills, and I hope you've had an excellent day. I actually don't want to start with the Packers tonight. I want to start with something else. We're going to talk a little bit about the Vikings. Part of me believes that they might have a new head coach by the time we're done at 6 o'clock. Maybe, possibly, could be, I, I don't know. Harbaugh's going to Minnesota today. He was in Minnesota today. He's. I mean, he's probably still there or, or getting ready to leave. Or, I, I don't know. Um... Part of me thinks that Jim Harbaugh is not going to mess around and waste his time just checking things out in Minnesota, especially on national signing days of all days. So I, I feel like maybe the Vikings could have a new head coach anytime if they elect to go with Harbaugh. So maybe we'll get to talk about that. I want to talk about their coaching search and the process that they're going about to find their coach, including sharing a tidbit or two from yesterday's interview with Phil Mackey of Score North. That's coming up. I do want to talk about the Packers, but I want, to, I want to do more of a league-wide discussion on the shortcomings of the Packers in the playoffs, but also a couple of other teams. I think there are a few teams in the NFL that should really look back this year and think, damn, we, we really missed out. We really, we really screwed up by having a bad game in the playoffs or, or letting this year pass us by. A, a huge missed opportunity for a couple of teams in particular. So I want to talk about that. I also want to talk about the psychological effect of really tough playoff losses, something we started to scratch the surface on yesterday, something that I want to get back to in the second half of the show. So that's what's coming up. You can join me, 608-796-2558. Give me a text. Give me a call. You can tweet me at Wisco Grant as well. I'm going to be 100% honest with you. There's normally a fan in the studio that's turned on. It's just a light. It's a small fan. It's a little thing, um, and it's like three feet away from me, and I forgot to turn it on, and it's driving me insane. I feel like I'm in a pressure. It's so quiet in here. There's no little hum, and it's gonna bother. I, I can't do this. I need. I need to turn it off. I need to turn it on. Hold on, one second. That is. Oh my god, that's so much better. Oh, the show is really gonna suffer if I just if I just didn't get that out of the way with. I seriously couldn't do the first segment without this fan on. I'm used to it. It's always on. Okay, there we go. I, I want to start by talking about this Brian Flores story. He's suing the NFL, and it's something we touched on just a little bit yesterday. I want to talk about this. This is a big story of the week. You know I'm an NBA fan. I love the league. I love the players, the memes, the podcasts, the free agency, the drama. The NBA is awesome. It's probably my favorite league. I love it. Most NBA fans wouldn't admit it, but I will. The NFL beats the NBA at its own game. right? We like to think, oh, the NFL... You know, they got great games, but the drama and the free agency and the off the field stuff, that's where the NBA. No, I actually I think the NFL is better at that, too. I think the NFL has better games. The on television product is better. And we're getting to the point now. I don't know if this is the case three or four years ago, but it's the case now where the off the field drama, free agency, the draft. We hype up the draft for two months. Quarterbacks are always kind of waving and going back and forth and and potentially moving teams. What about Russell Wilson? What about Deshaun Watson? What about Aaron Rodgers? That's very NBA-like. It never stops. The NFL always has our attention. Even this week, when Stafford and Burrow are advancing to the Super Bowl, that would be amazing in and of itself. If that was the story of the NFL this week, Joe Burrow and Matt Stafford, that's, that's great. League's killing it. But that's not enough. There's more. There's always more with the NFL. The Washington football team is now the commanders, by the way which is lackluster at best. Their jerseys are kind of, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like our first reaction is to hate everything. Let me give it a day. Maybe we can talk more about it tomorrow. I want to talk about the bigger story of the day. There are two, the new team for the Washington football team and Brian Flores suing the NFL. This broke yesterday around three o'clock and I'm sure you've seen it by now. Maybe you've read about it in detail, heard about it in detail. I'm going to summarize really quickly to make sure there's not one person that's listening along right now that's confused by this or in the dark because I want you to have the background information necessary to then listen to what I'm going to say about this because I'm going to share my opinion before we move on. I want to talk about the Vikings and Packers and other things. I don't want to talk about this the whole show, but I want to start with this because it's the big story. Background info. Brian Flores' lawsuit stems from three different experiences with three different teams, and they're all recent enough. They're all since 2019. So this starts, I think the biggest story, the biggest chunk of evidence here is the New York Giants. He had an interview scheduled in a couple of days, but before he had a chance to interview with the Giants, he got a text from Bill Belichick, who thought he was texting Brian Dable, saying, hey, congrats, I'm hearing you're getting the job. And Brian Flores is like, well, I I still have to interview. And also, do you know who you're talking to, you old man? This is Brian Flores, not Brian Dable. So Bill Belichick kind of outing the Giants in that, they had already selected their head coach, even if they hadn't interviewed all the candidates yet. It's a bad look. So the Giants are part of this. The Broncos are part of this because in 2019, Elway and Joella showed up an hour late to their interview with Brian Flores. They were hungover. They were, quote, completely disheveled. They didn't care about this interview at all. They didn't care about Brian Flores at all. And then in Miami, the team that actually employed Brian Flores as a coach, Stephen Ross, the owner, Offered to pay him $100,000 for every loss. He refused. He also wanted Brian Flores to tamper with a quarterback that was available. And Brian Flores says, no, I'm not going to tamper. That's cheating. That's against the rules. He didn't want to cooperate. He didn't want to play nice with the owner. It's a big reason why he was let go. And then later heard, well, he's difficult to work with. Well, now we know why. It's because the owner was offering and, and telling him to do shady things. Also, I get tanking. I get wanting to lose, but there's a way to go about it not paying $100,000 to your coach to lose games. That's not thats not going about it, right? So this stems from the Giants, the Broncos, and the Dolphins. Those, very briefly, are, are, are the situations and the reasons why. I want to give you a little bit more background on this. This is an issue that stems from the Rooney Rule, which is created by the Steelers, by the late Rooney in 2003. You got to interview at least one minority candidate, right? Now, this rule is great. But as we've seen, and as this lawsuit has exposed, you'll get crusty owners, GMs, who don't really have to follow rules or live with consequences because they're so rich and so powerful, and they can just kind of treat this rule like a sham. Like, Elway, just show up on time, man. Don't be hungover. What, like, what the heck? It's not that hard. Before I get my two cents on this, I want to play a clip or two of Brian Flores, who is on CBS Mornings, which I guess is what their morning show called. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't really watch morning shows. Two clips. Number one, Nate Burleson, question and answer.
3: Last week, you interviewed for the head coaching job for the New York Giants. What happened leading up to that interview? I interviewed for the Giants position. Um, I was set to interview on Thursday, the, the Monday prior. Uh, before, before I interviewed, I received a text message uh, from Bill Belichick saying congratulations on the Giants. It's essentially a congratulations on the Giants job. It was a little bit of back and forth. Um, we have the text messages there on the screen yeah there was some back and forth and some confusion uh, because yeah you haven't sat down with the giants yet i have not sat down with the giants there was some back and forth and i, I just uh i asked him is this, are you talking to the right brian and as you, you've seen them through the text messages you know, he was actually uh thought he was texting brian dayball who they ended up hiring yes sir
2: we've all done this one way or another but maybe we work for the nfl and we're dealing with confidential information that's it's
3: about as bad as it gets.
2: So they then asked Brian Flores a follow-up question about this situation with the Giants interview.
3: How did that make you feel, knowing that you were walking into an interview where a decision might have already been made? It was a range of emotions. Uh, humiliation, disbelief, um, anger. And I've worked so hard to get to, to, to where I am from a, uh, in football to become a head coach. Um, put 18 years in, in this league, and it was... Uh, to go on at what was going to be a, what, what felt like or what was a sham interview, I was uh, I was hurt.
1: And, but you uh, went knowing that you probably weren't going to get it. Why did. why did you continue to go?
3: I think uh, I, I, there's still hope. Maybe it's called it, call it the audacity of hope. Um, and uh, I, I was, you know, I have a belief that, you know, there's good in people. I, I just do.
2: That's a great answer. That's a wholesome answer. He also doesn't have a choice because if he doesn't go on the grounds that he knows he's not getting the job, well, then that owner and GM, they're like, well, what the hell? We offered this guy a job interview. He doesn't want to take it. He's difficult to work with. And that perception is further perpetuated, that perception that we kind of got when he left Miami and we didn't know why, we didn't know what happened. We just knew that he was labeled difficult to get along with. Well, now we know why, because the owner's a loser and he's kind of a bozo and he goes about things in really shady ways. So... That's Brian Flores saying his piece. There's a lot more to that interview. And if you want to listen in, you want to check it out, it's all over social media. It's everywhere. It's easy to find. That's kind of what pertains to football. Now, he starts talking about bigger social issues and change that needs to come in the NFL. I only have so much time, so I wanted to play you that. I have one more clip that I want to play you in a minute or two. To address the first part of this, the, the sham interviews, just kind of that, that checking of the Rooney rule box, which is essentially what happened with the Giants, what they were trying to do. And then what the Denver Broncos were doing as well. And by the way, this is nothing new. Marvin Lewis said this happened to him in Carolina. He expected to have an interview with the Panthers. And before he did, something leaked that John Fox was already getting the job. And he's like, well, what the hell? I still have an interview left. This isn't done. This idea isn't new. This has been happening. Organizations hold sham interviews with minority candidates. And and I don't know if there's a perfect fix to this. Because with the Rooney rule... There will always be qualified minority candidates who are penciled in for an interview. Doesn't mean they're not good. Doesn't mean they're not qualified. But when those candidates don't get it, we're always going to be left wondering, well, why did they go with the other guy? Did they ever consider that minority candidate in the first place? Or were they just using that minority candidate to check a box? Because they had to, right? And the Lions did this not too long ago, remember, with Steve Mariucci. They're like, we're not, we're not doing the Rooney rule because we know who we want. So we're not even going to be disingenuous about this whole process. We know who our guy is, and we want him. And we've decided on that. And we're not going to drag other candidates through this process for the sake of checking a box, which I actually respect more, even though it's not following this protocol of the Rooney Rule that the NFL put into play about 20 years ago. So just speaking with the Bears, Brian Flores, Jim Caldwell, Todd Bowles, Byron Leftwich, all minority candidates, all qualified, some successful, some head coaches in the past, all requested or interviewed with the Chicago Bears, for example, they end up going with Frank Reich, okay, who's obviously not a minority candidate. This is always going to be a thing with the Rooney rule. Now, we can be better about how the Rooney rule is used, and maybe we can amend it, maybe we can add to it, but this is always going to be a thing. If a team goes into a hiring cycle knowing we want Kyle Shanahan, he wants to come here, 99%, it's done. Well, because of the Rooney rule, they then have to have an interview with a minority candidate, even though that team knows, well, we want Kyle Shanahan. It's, it's nothing against you, but we need to do this. And that's where the Rooney rule, we don't know, right? The worst part of this is that teams can be so brazen about it, right? Elway showing up hungover, showing up an hour late. Dude, I get that you got to interview a guy that maybe you don't plan on hiring, Maybe you want Nathaniel Hackett all along. And maybe you need to to interview a minority candidate for the Rooney rule. But God, can you not be a jerk about it? Can you sit down and go through the selection process with these guys? Listen to his ideas. Talk about the fit. Can you at least go through the motions? And that's what's so disappointing is these teams won't even go through the motions. Why did Belichick know that Brian Dable was fired before Brian Flores ever interviewed? How did the mayors allow that? Even if the mayors wanted Brian Dable from day one. How does Bill Belichick know that? How does that get out? And I'm not telling teams to cover their tracks better because that would be completely missing the boat. I'm showing that this is such a big problem because teams are getting to the point, owners are getting to the point now where they're making a mockery of this, right? They're they're brazen. They're They're laughing in the face of fair hiring practice that the NFL put forward. And there are owners who suck and who are old and crusty and racist, and we've seen that. We saw with Jerry Richardson. In the NBA, we saw it with Donald Sterling. I'm not sure whatever Denver is doing with Elway and Ellis and now George Payton, but that's a really horrendous look as well. There are people who are brazen and going about this terribly, and we need to, to fix that. This is the other issue. This is another clip from CBS This Morning with Brian Day. I want to play this for you before I make my final point. The Giants say they're pleased and confident in the hiring process. Uh, I get the sense from the lawsuit from you right now that you had a feeling
1: like, here we go again. This wasn't the first time you felt discriminated against in the league.
3: Is that yeah, right? yeah I, mean, I've, I mean, the ruling, the ruling rule is in, intended to uh, you know, give minorities an opportunity to sit down in front of uh, ownership. But I think what it's turned into is um, an instance where guys are just checking the box. Um, and that's been the case. I've been on some interviews in the past that, um, where that's I've had that feeling. There's you know, always no way to, to to know for sure, but um, but you know, And I, you know, I, know, I know I'm not alone there.
2: Okay, so there, there's two in, in my mind. There's two angles from which to approach this lawsuit. The one I just mentioned, where there are teams that are so cocky and so old and crusty and outdated in their way of doing things that they will allow information about a potential hire to leak because they don't care because they're inconsiderate because they have no respect for the process. There's owners and GMs that will show up late and hung over thumbing their nose and disrespecting any minority candidate. Even if it's not someone who they think they're going to hire, you never know. Can you at least go through the paces? My God. So there's that portion of it. And that's unacceptable. That's embarrassing for the league. And that's a problem they need to fix. What about situations like this? Where the Giants say, you know what, we're happy with our guy. We like Brian Dable. Yeah, maybe it leaked that we wanted him all along, but you know what, we did like him all along. And we really liked Brian Dable, and we didn't really want to look any further into it. Well, there's a problem there, too. And I don't know if it's that John Mayer is racist or their GM is racist that's a structural systemic problem, and that's something that the NFL needs to talk about and think about. And because we're running out of time, that's something that I want to talk about coming up next. Back on the Wisco Sports Show in three minutes.
0: This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone
2: Radio Network. The Giants say they are pleased and confident in the hiring process. Uh, I get the sense from the
1: lawsuit from you right now that you had a feeling like here we go again this wasn't the first time you felt discriminated against in the league is it
3: yeah yeah I mean I've, I mean the, ruling, the Rooney rule is in, intended to uh, you know give minorities an opportunity to sit down in front of uh, ownership but I think what it's turned into is um, an instance where guys are just checking the box um, and that's been the case I've been on some interviews in the past that um, where that's, I've had that feeling. There's, you know, always no way to, to, to know for sure. But, um, but you know, and this I know, I know, I know, I know, I'm not alone there. To-
2: that's Brian Flores. He was on CBS this morning. I thought he did a really good job carrying himself and answering questions and speaking calmly on something that I would imagine infuriates him. That's really hard to do. If you asked me to sit down and calmly talk about the Packers and Aaron Rodgers losing to the Niners, I wouldn't be able to do it that calmly. And this man's talking about his livelihood. 18 years he's worked in the NFL. He's grinded, and now he's being boned in interviews because Elway's showing up late and hungover. And the Giants are interviewing him despite already knowing who they're going to hire. And the Dolphins threw him under the bus because he didn't want to lose games for their convenience. That's frustrating. And he did a really good job answering questions. He's really impressive. Uh, and I hope he comes away with a favorable outcome. It's a class action suit against the NFL. I hope other people jump in and tell their stories, too. Um, I just think that makes for, obviously, a stronger case. I'm no lawyer, but I, I can wrap my mind around the basics of a, <laughs> of a class action lawsuit. I was planning to only do one segment on this. This is the Wisco Sports Show, by the way. My name is Grant Bills. I was planning to only talk about this for about the first 15 minutes of the show. Because I, I don't like to freelance too often. Like, why well, once a week we do 15 minutes on the NBA. And then I get back to our teams. Or there's a huge news story. I'll do 10, 12, 15 minutes on that. And then I'll get back to my teams. And I think you guys that tune in and you want to hear what's up with the Packers, what's up with Rodgers, what's up with the Vikings, what's up with the Brewers. I, I, I sometimes am worried that when you tune in and you hear me talking about something else, even if it's breaking news, you're like, Ugh. You, like, you're not getting out of the show what you want. And I got a text here, 608 from Old School. And Old School, you don't you don't text my show that often. I know you text Dave a lot in the morning. Um, He said, old school here, it's okay to leave the Packers and Vikings off of today's show, at least for a bit. You have an atomic bomb handed to you for your show. You said it's the story of the week. How about the story of the decade or the history of the NFL, Mr. Goodell, Congress online too? Yeah, this this is a horrendous look for the NFL. I don't think that a majority or a vast majority of owners and GMs and coaches are racist. And I don't think they purposefully go about hiring coaches in a racist way now i will tell you that if the broncos go about interviews with minority candidates the way that they do it, it, like it's hard to give you the benefit of the doubt right i don't think elway's a racist jerk i don't think that the the dolphins owner is a racist jerk or the Maras. but when you pull this kind of brazen disrespectful behavior it's hard to give you the benefit of the doubt. I'm sure there are racist individuals. There always are in sports. Jerry Richardson's an example. He had to sell the Panthers. Donald Sterling in the NBA, he had to sell the Clippers. So there are those individuals, and I hope they're the minority. I hope they're the minority. That's half of this conversation. Now, the the other half, and I think it's the more important half, is how individuals, coaches, GMs, decision makers who aren't racist at their core – participate in hiring structures and hiring strategies that discriminate towards certain populations, especially black coaches like Brian Flores, right? Give me a minute or two to explain to what I mean, okay? This is tough to discuss, so you're going to need to be patient as I kind of wade through this. I want to be very careful with my words, right? There are processes and structures. In the NFL or in most industries, in most things, especially in America. And we have a really tough history with race, obviously, and discrimination. That's why I think for Martin Luther King and pictures of the civil rights movement, like we need to show those pictures in color when it's on social media or it's on TV because that's a good reminder, like this isn't that long ago. America's got a, we got a tough run, you know, in in relatively recent history with some of this stuff. And we need to remember that. And I think some of those things still live on in the structures and processes in real life and and in sports, right? And a lot of these processes are old-fashioned and hurtful and discriminatory towards people of color, like Brian Flores. Marvin Lewis is another good candidate who's kind of spoken on this, who, who he's out of coaching right now, I, I believe, but was a good head coach for the Bengals for a long time, very successful in this league, right? The structures and processes that are used by NFL teams to make these hires and make these decisions – can be old-fashioned and outdated and discriminatory, and the people making the decisions, if they don't think about it, might never know, right? We, we talk about nepotism all the time in the NFL, right? We all agree that that's a thing. I don't think there's anybody... <laughs> like there's no one standing around just thinking, well, actually, Clint Kubiak, he just showed a predisposition for football from a very young age. It's not to say that Clint Kubiak isn't good at coordinating an offense. It's, it's That's not what I'm saying. It's that he wasn't afforded an opportunity and a road to the NFL that most people wouldn't get because of his dad, right? We all agree that nepotism is a thing, and in some senses, it's harmless. Kyle Shanahan's a great coach. We don't complain about nepotism with him, right? Nepotism, unlike racism, is a little bit more innocuous. Now, there's harmful effects of it, but it's, it's more harmless. We all agree that nepotism is a thing, right? Coaches get hired because of their last name or because they know someone else who knows someone else or whoever is making hiring decisions, they know that they can trust that person for whatever, right? Well, I knew his dad back in the day or, uh, you know, I can hire Jim Smith because I knew Jim's dad and and John over here, he he worked with Jim in the past and then they go way back, you know, 25 years, they've known each other and they've worked together and, and coordinated football teams together, right? Hires are made based on trust, based on connections. Who do I know and who can I trust, right? And these coaching lineages, they go back decades. We talk about the Shanahan's or the Kubiak's, Morningwigs. Wigs. Uh, Joe Barry's got a long family lineage of connections that goes back, right? Sometimes these coaching lineages and these connections, especially when owners are old as dirt, go back way back to periods in time where much more brazen racism and obvious racism existed, right? Discrimination still exists, but I think we can all understand that it it existed in a much more prevalent way years ago. But that's the thing. Some of these coaching lineages go back that long, right? So owners who are 80 or general managers who are 50 plus years old, they're making hires based on processes and coaching family trees that started 30 plus years ago. And that's where inadvertent discrimination can take place. And you'd never know of it, right? You'd never realize it. You're not making a racist hire, but you're going about a process of hiring that was built once upon a time on favoritism and discrimination and even, in some instances, racism. And I almost didn't want to bring this up today, but I think it's too on the nose. Bear with me for a sec. I know this is a huge hot-button issue, but I'm not approaching it as one. Right? This is what critical race theory talks about. This isn't even a hot-button issue. Right? Cable News realized that critical race theory gets people going. Right. Oh, teach it in the schools or to not teach it. I'm not I'm not talking about what kids should or shouldn't hear. Critical race theories, by the way, it it started in the 70s. It's not this new woke idea. Right. Kimberly Crenshaw did this in the 70s and the 80s. She's a communication scholar and a law scholar. And she said, well, let's look at the legal structure. Let's look at this and that and and how old fashioned some of these structures are. Like our law system has been around forever. Right. It goes way back. And while we've advanced. And while we've become less discriminatory and and more open minded as a human race, some of these structures have existed for so long that when we just go with the flow, as we've always done, we don't even realize when these processes can be harmful and they can exclude others. I don't know how the NFL deals with that because football people are old fashioned and they're stubborn and we do it this way because it's always been done this way, not just on the field. Talk about establishing the run and taking the points with field goals, even when we're learning fourth downs or smart, be aggressive, go for it. Don't punt the ball. Actually, passing is good. Establishing the run is a little bit of a myth. We're becoming smarter on the football field and realizing that some of these dated football ideas aren't useful anymore. And I think we need to start to do the same with hiring practices, right? I'm going to hire this guy because I knew his dad. I'm going to hire this guy because he's got this connection and I know I can trust him. We, We need to get out of doing what we've always done. And I don't know how the NFL goes about that. I don't even know how I feel about the Rooney rule. I think the Rooney rule in theory is great because in theory, you bring in all these candidates and you have no preconceived notions about any of them and you sit them down and you judge them all on their merit and their ideas and then you make a decision. Great. In theory, that's amazing. But I think in so many of these coaching searches, the owner and the GM halfway through the season know, hey, we want to fire our head coach and the first guy we want to talk to is Kyle Shanahan. The first guy we want to talk to is Brian Dable. The first guy we want to talk to is Nathaniel Hackett. And we're 90% sure we want to hire them. But we got to do a coaching search. And because the Rooney rule says so, we have to have candidates of, of uh, who are black or of a minority background. That's tough because that's not fair to a minority candidate. If a team knows that they're going to hire Brian Dable, I'd almost rather them say, hey, we're going to hire Brian Dable. So we're not going to waste our time and we're not going to waste other people's times either. So I, I, the Rooney rule is great in theory. I think the NFL needs to realize how they can keep that theory and that idea and that spirit in place while maybe re-legislating a little bit. That's something they're going to have to examine the way it's always been done. And the way teams have always hired coaches, we need to think about how we can improve that structure and modernize that structure because it's outdated. It doesn't work. Most coaching hires don't stick. And you're looking again in a few years, just ask the Giants. And you might not be getting the best candidate. And you might be discriminating towards really good candidates. Brian Flores, for example, who's now suing the NFL. If you have a thought on this, text it to me, tweet it at me, at Wisco Grant, 608-796-2558. And maybe we can kind of debrief on the other side of this break. I've said my piece on this. I don't know that we need to keep rambling on this. There are things I want to talk about with the Vikings and the Packers, so I do want to get to that. But if you have a thought that you want to add, text it to me, and we can debrief on the other side of this break before moving on. This is the Wisco Sports Show. We'll be back in five minutes.
0: This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.
2: Wisco Sports Show, my name is Grant Bills we're tackling a tough topic well is it tough I I feel like that's a cop-out to say it's a tough topic I feel like any conversation that might separate us where we have differing opinions or we feel different about things we say well it's a tough conversation we move on this shouldn't be a tough conversation I think we should all be on the same page in that the NFL has some dated hiring practices and that needs to be addressed and I think that's why Brian Flores is going about his business and and suing the NFL and I don't blame him. He worked his whole life. He worked 20 years to get a shot to be a head coach. And then he ends up working for Steven Ross who wants to pay him hundred K to lose games and then fire him presumably to get the next guy to take over a great roster with young draft picks. And that's, that's your legacy. That's your one chance. Um, I don't blame him. I don't blame him for being upset. Now I'm trying to just give you my thoughts on this, how I feel. I'm not trying to start beef with anyone. Although I do really like some of these texts. And I said, if you give me a text, I will read it and we can debrief on the other side of the break. So let's do that for a minute or two. Um, and then I want to talk about another coaching hiring situation. I want to talk about the Vikings uh, and Harbaugh. Dean in Eau Claire says racism is not individual bias, but the construct of institutional biases that quietly put minorities in an advantage. Those of us in the majority don't often recognize those constructs. That's 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 what I'm saying. Right. The NFL has been doing things the way they do it for a long time. They've been hiring the way they hire for a long time. And the world was different when some of these processes were put into place. Let's look at them and say, are we really doing this the best possible way? Because it doesn't always get us the best coach. In fact, it it doesn't get us the best coach. And it's really discriminatory to minority candidates. So let's look at this again. Thank you, Dean. That's a good text. Uh, DH from Ettrick says, your Joe Barry breakdown was pretty mind-blowing last year. Yeah, I didn't know any of that. I think it was Badger Noonan for Acme Packing that wrote this piece about how Joe Barry got to be a coach. It's insane. Family connections and this and that and failing upward and Rob Parker famously asking the head coach in Detroit if he wished his daughter had married a better defensive coordinator. Fantastic. He had to apologize for that, but worth it. It was awesome. I don't have this person's name. Again, if you want to text back in, so I have something to call you. Says you're absolutely right about critical race theory. Critical race theory is essentially just history, teaching people what has happened in our history regarding race relations. Yeah, critical race theory has been turned into this thing that it's it's not. Um, and you might feel a certain way about what should be taught in schools and go to school board meetings. I don't know. It, that's your local politics thing. For the sake of this conversation, all critical race theory is, and by the way, it started in the 70s, is it's looking at all of these processes, especially legal processes, because Kimberly Crenshaw's legal scholar. Um, but looking at our institutions and our processes – When did they start? How did they start? And maybe how we should adapt and change them to fit the modern, inclusive world that we want to live in, right? That's what it comes – that's what critical race theory is. It sucks that it's been turned into this weird thing by cable news that gets people riled up. Um, This text says – signed, Bob Kraft. All right. Bob Kraft said – (laughs) oh, that's funny. So this is Joe from Whitehall. He signed his text text as Robert Kraft. I'm shocked anyone could question the morals and ethics of an NFL owner. Yeah, this is a this is a good old boys club where they have no rules. They don't really have to answer to anyone. It stinks. Um, here's the text says this is the last one. Short time listener, first time texter. Well, welcome, Dave from Madison. Problem is integrating minority coaches in all facets of the operation, from interns to bench coaches, etc. You need to be part of the tree to be picked from it down the road. Yes, I agree. I read a piece in the Athletic today that talked about this, about where head coaches typically come from. Uh, position group coach, quarterback coach, offensive coordinator, head coach. And I think there are plenty of minority candidates that are getting involved in those lower levels, but then it seems like they're getting cut off and they're not making it past a certain point. And I think, and again, I'd have to pull up the article. I'd have to get the numbers in front of me again. But I think that's part of the problem is a lot of these minority coaches are getting in on the base levels and they're climbing and climbing until they no longer climb. And that's something we're all trying to figure out. Chad is in Sun Prairie. Chad, the last time I talked with you, you were praising Rob Manfred, and there were some people who texted in that didn't like that. So I, I, I'm interested to hear what you got today. Welcome, Chad. What's up?
4: <laughs> hey, welcome there. Thanks for welcoming me. Yeah, Grant, <clears throat> uh, I still stand by my statements on Rob Manfred. <laughs> All, right. All right, stick to your gun. He is I like not it. not not the worst commissioner in professional sports. It's Batman.
2: Well, he's he's probably enjoying this week seeing the NFL and, and Roger Goodell squeal a little bit. Rob Manfred's probably taking a deep breath of relief.
4: Goodell is Goodell is no different than what Robert Kraft is. He doesn't squirm. Yeah. He's worth billions. Yeah. His league is worth billions. They will make it go away. Um, so you want to have any bet that this is just like the Jerry Maguire situation? <laughs> He's going to you know make a bunch of noise right now. Everybody's going to applaud. The NFL is going to either quietly make this lawsuit go away or it's going to be a big splash, and he's going to lose because he's got a, t- a lot of tough sledding. Yeah, You know, like, I, I understand the climate to do it in was perfect, but he's got tough sledding. Like, I think we're all in pretty much agreement. If the Dolphins really did this, which I don't doubt it one bit, and if the NFL is really pulling these kind of moves, I still don't doubt it Yeah, at other franchises. But in the same token, prove it. You know, some things are just a damn dirty shame, and proving it is, you know, like my Packers not winning every year is a damn dirty shame, but <laughs> just not going to happen.
2: Yeah, sometimes. I mean, I, I, and again, I, the Giants hiring Brian Dable. I think Brian Dable's a really good coach, and they probably want someone who could develop Daniel Jones the same way Dable developed, right, Josh Allen. So, so I get it. I. What frustrated me about this, Chad, and I think you're speaking to this, too, is the NFL put out a statement, and they're like, these claims are false. We, we will work to refute these claims. It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Why are we working to refute these right away? Why don't we look into this and say, you know what? Actually, he's got a really good point. We can do this, that, and the other thing to improve our league. It's just, I don't know. That comes across as lazy. And I it sucks that these group of men with really nothing other to do except for party and just be rich, it, it's really lazy.
4: But I mean, you, you see that, like we were talking about this uh, in a different conversation about the Brewers had their first operating loss in what, 20 years this past year, yeah. and it was like a couple of million dollars when the franchise has literally grown over $300 million since he's owned the team. Yeah. Who cares? <laughs> like, it, it's it's just, it's, it's asinine to sit there and think that, you know, these billionaire owners are really going to care. Like what does somebody think of that? That is like the equivalent of you making, you know, making Grant Bill's money there at the radio station. I was going to say, Big Tread lightly. I make a lot of money, so watch what you say here. <laughs> and, and then there's little old me, and you know, like I make peanuts compared to you, and I'm you sure. really carrying what I do, and like it. <laughs> <clears throat> it 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 really boils down to the haves and the have-nots, and it's not. It's not. Ununique in what society is at this point. People with money do what they want, say what they want, act how they want, yeah. and generally don't pay any ramifications. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's that's hard. And, and I don't I
2: mean, know. How, you're don't, talking. Yeah, I don't know how we changed that. I like the idea of forcing guys to sell their team. I, I mean, I, I don't know if that's a solution, right? Like, you had to get Donald Sterling out. Jerry Richardson was on the way out. But what are you going to do? do you know, tear through the league and find all these old guys and then make them sell their team? I I don't know. I don't know, well, I don't that, know what to
4: do. The Jerry, the Jerry Richardson thing was his complete scapegoat. I mean, you talk to people like Cam. I'm pretty sure Cam's pretty progressive. Mm-hmm. and He was in tears over the whole thing. Like, yeah. it, like he said, hey, I feel like this is a witch hunt. I don't feel like that's indicative of this person at all. And, like, somebody that was that close to him, you probably would think, God, yeah, like... The, the Steve Ballmer? Or was it not Steve Ballmer? Right, Steve Ballmer from
2: um, the guy before Donald Sterling owned the team before Do- Steve Ballmer. Yeah,
4: gotcha. Um, Donald, yeah, Donald Sterling and mm-hmm. his comments there had no place in the sport. No. but to say, in the same token, like these, like I guess the Gruden thing is somewhere in between there. Like he claims he really wasn't talking terrible, and some of those comments are pretty rough. But in context, like. A decade earlier to people that he was allegedly speaking in context I just I have a hard time with that yeah it,
2: I, it, yeah I, I don't know I don't know what we're going to do Chad and I'm going to let you go and I appreciate the call you made some awesome points and I <clears throat> I appreciate you sticking your guns on Rob Manfred I still don't understand it but I'm i am coming to <laughs> respect it and, and like you
4: thank you Chad <clears throat> well the alternative was much worse yeah that's true. Feeling,
2: so. <laughs> that's
4: true thank you Chad have a good one Thank you Yeah, that's Chad
2: and Son Prairie. I don't I mean, what are we gonna do? I, I almost use the term witch hunt, but that's 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 come to mean something else. Are, are we going to tear through the NFL, interrogate all the owners, root them out, make half of them sell their team? I, well okay, well then the next bunch of billionaires come in and it's the same. The problem is is what Chad said when you have that much money and you're so insulated, right you don't have to answer to anyone there are no consequences so they don't care. they don't care. They don't care. They don't care. And I guess why would they? They don't have to. Because Roger Goodell will go out. He knows that there'll be another story next week or the week after. He'll eat the bad press. Oh, everyone hates Roger Goodell. He'll make a ton of money protecting the owners. And then round and round we go. I I don't, know, I don't know what you do. I don't know how you change it. Um, Yeah. I don't know how you change it. That's basically what this boils down to. Maybe you have a good idea. Send me a text. You can give me a call. I want to get an update from Mike Clemens. He's at the Super Bowl. So let's take a break. here for Mike. And we'll come back and talk more about this next on the Wisco Sports Show.
0: This is the WISCO Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Now, here's Mike Clemens. Rams and the Bengals getting ready for the Super Bowl. We'll have updates every day on the Bill Michaels show live from L.A. and Super Bowl 56 beginning next week. Bengals head coach Zach Taylor talked about what it was like landing in Cincinnati late Sunday night after beating the Chiefs in Kansas City.
4: You know, we got back, there was a lot of fans outside the stadium when we got here, which was cool to see. It was a nice spot over there in Mount Healthy and we had a good time there for a little bit. So it, it was an overall great night. I haven't got a lot of sleep yet, you know, still taking it all in, but, uh, we're going to quickly turn our focus here to the L.A. Rams.
0: Taylor was an assistant coach for Sean McVay before taking the job in Cincinnati. Now, technically, the AFC team, the Bengals, are the home team for the Super Bowl, even though the game will be played in the Rams' home stadium. Sean McVay. To be able to play at home, you know, in this house that Mr. Cronkey built, this iconic venue is is really unique, uh, a little bit easier travel schedule for us since we travel all over the country during the course of the year for the most part. So, um, just so happy for this group, proud to be associated with it. Matt Fleur and the Packers coaching staff are headed to Las Vegas to coach the NFC in the Pro Bowl. Moe Drayton was let go as the Packers special teams coordinator. Adam Stenovich is taking over as offensive coordinator. His assistant, Luke Butkus, has been promoted to become the offensive line coach. Butkus has worked with some of the best coaches in the league on zone blocking and was asked if he knew Stenovich before he was hired in Green Bay three years ago.
1: No, I didn't know Steno, but we, had, we have some mutual connections and you know we both kind of grew up under the same system learning i had the opportunity to work in seattle uh in 2010
0: with alice gibbs and then in 2011 with tom cable
1: best nfl
2: coverage mike clemens boots on the ground in los angeles city of stars mike probably feels right at home i wonder how mike does feel in la i wonder it's a popping place I feel like Mike just likes hanging out wherever he's staying and, you know, going through his audio, sending me some clips. Mike's a low-key guy. Hope he's enjoying his time out in the warmth out in the sun of LA. Maybe going down to the beach, going for a stroll. I'm jealous. They should send me next year. This is the Wisco Sports Show. We've been talking about the Brian Flores thing, the lawsuit towards the NFL. And if you want to chime in on that, you can. I didn't expect people to want to talk about it as much as you have, which is great. I'm glad that people want to chime in and talk about this and what's going on with the NFL and maybe how it gets better. Um, but I also, I do want to talk about the Vikings and Harbaugh, who's being interviewed today. There are other things I want to talk about, but I'm not going to exclude you from jumping in and talking about the Brian Flores lawsuit. If you want to open invite for just about everything, uh, give me a call or a text 608-796-2558. FedEx Fred is calling in. Fred, welcome. What's on, uh, What's going on today? Excuse me. <laughs>
4: uh, not
1: too much. And thank you for having me. Uh, Three things. Number one Mm -hmm. is how did Bill Belichick know who was getting hired before they got hired?
2: Yeah. Well, this is well. Let's talk about that. This is bizarre because if if the Giants wanted Dable all along and they knew they wanted Dable all along, okay, that's not necessarily racist, right? I think we can all we all get that. But why are you going and telling the world? Why are you so brazenly ignoring the Rooney Rule and good process?
1: You didn't have to do that. I don't know. Uh, that's 100 uh, percent correct right there. So if you knew you were gonna hire, if you knew you were gonna hire Gable, you should have just kept your mouth shut, done your interviews, and then you could have hired him two days after after your last interview. Yeah, and number, hey, you know what? Really quickly, talk
2: to Brian Flores, get his input on the Giants, ask his opinion on Daniel Jones. Use that interview as a resource. That's I, I don't know. This is so bizarre. Yeah.
1: Sorry to cut you. off. Uh, number. Number two, Roger Goodell should have just came out and said, "We are taking these. We are taking these accusations serious. We are doing a full research into all three teams, and we will provide you with answers when we've when we're done doing our investigation." Yeah. But we all know how that goes because of the of the Washington Football Team. Yeah, I'm not so, going to hold my breath. Yeah. I'm not going to hold no. my breath. And then my third one is, as a Packer fan, I'm a little concerned. About Green Bay losing a bunch of their assistant coaches. Okay, cool. Let's talk, let's talk about that. On the, especially on the offensive side.
2: Is there one in particular that you think really stings? I, I expected we'd lose a bunch, and I thought, okay, keep Stanovich. Keep Stanovich. If you hold on to him, all right, we'll be okay. It does suck that they lost a couple of the other guys. What are you thinking about those coaches in particular? What, what's your worry exactly? Oh,
1: um- the, the quarterback coach I went to uh, the Bears Getzy, yeah I to me that one might hurt the worst out of all out of all everybody else that left because you know Lafleur looks like he's doing a great job of hiring from within and then he'll bring in more people for lower level assistant jobs mm-hmm. but you had a guy who had three years of rapport with Aaron Rodgers it looks like he's started to have his trust. And now he's gone. And who who do you get to replace him? Hmm. Well, are, are they
2: elevating someone to be their quarterback's coach? Or are they going to have to bring in someone new? I like, yeah, they probably have trust and rapport, but I mean, they lost in the playoffs all three years. So I'm not like, I'm not,
1: I'm weirdly not also, too worried about Aaron it. Rogers? Yeah. Does Rodgers get an input on, on the quarterback coach if he comes back?
2: I I don't know. If I'm the Packers, I give him input into as little as possible. He wanted Cobb back but wouldn't throw him the ball. He wanted the –
1: like, dude, you got to play better in huge games if you want input. That's what I'd tell him. I I 100% agree with that. But you do know – and I think we all know Aaron Rodgers. If you don't let me have input on this, then I'm done. Yeah, and that's when Green Bay says, "Okay, see you later." Yeah,
2: you want to retire? I guess go ahead and make him retire. Then I don't know. Call his bluff. There's no way he wants to retire the same year as Tom Brady and share a Hall of Fame stage. He doesn't want to retire. Make him retire. If he's going to bluff
1: like that, make him call his bluff. I 100% agree with you, Grant. <sighs> if he if, if he doesn't if he doesn't accept or want your if Green Bay doesn't. Want to take his input? Say, hey, these are your options. We can trade you, or you can retire. Yeah, go ahead. Go enjoy. Go enjoy uh, your nice
2: beach mansion. Go enjoy time with Shailene Woodley. Go check out a movie set. Whatever. I agree. Fred, we're about out of time. I got to take a break at the bottom of the hour here, but I appreciate your call. It's nice to talk to you. Thank you, and have a great day. You as well. That's FedEx Fred or Fredx. Um, John Boy just like clockwork texted and remind me about that. Let's take a break. Get an update from Zach Heilford and we'll keep talking about this next.